0: Did you know acquiring a new customer can cost five times more than retaining an existing customer? And those repeat customers spend on average 67% more than someone visiting your brewery for the first time? At Craft Beer Professionals, we're proud to have Belter as an industry ambassador. Belter Blue specializes in solving problems breweries have and acquiring, retaining, and growing their customer base. They work with breweries on digital mug club programs, push messaging, first-time guest programs, marketing automation, digital punch cards, beer finders, menu management, and more. If timing is right for you on any of these important initiatives, reach out to our partners Rob and Dan at Belter Blue. Their industry experience helps tailor solutions that not work only in the digital space, but translate in your taprooms as well. I've seen their product in action. They're easy to work with. But more importantly, they are in tune with the needs of growing a modern beer organization. Reach them at belter.com/brewery-app. That's b-o-e-l-t-e-r.com/brewery-app. Cheers. everybody and thank you for joining us today I'm excited for an engaging and insightful conversation that dives into the world of brewery merchandise and explores innovative strategies to increase swag sales in an era where craft breweries are not only known for their awesome beer but also their unique brand identities the importance of an effective merchandising program can't be overstated and today we're joined by those who have mastered the art of turning brewery merchandise into must-have items for enthusiasts and casual consumers alike and now Let's meet the panelists. Maria, you're to the right of me. You get to go first.
1: Hi, I'm Maria Fields. I manage the Commerce Business Unit at Rheingeis Brewery in Cincinnati, Ohio.
2: Maria, thanks for joining us. Tom? I'm Tom Painter. I'm the co-owner, marketing director, and and, uh, brand, uh, what what have you, over at No Label Brewing in Katy, Texas. It's been great seeing you recently, and Lance?
3: Hello, craft beer professionals. I am Lance Taylor, uh, the sales manager for Belter Beverage, managing the team that's on the street.
0: And Lance, I appreciate you getting us some awesome crafted professionals items for that event in Milwaukee recently.
3: Thanks for the opportunity,
0: Andrew. Now, Rodney, you're up. Hey, guys. Uh, Rodney Campbell-Cast Brandy
4: in Houston, Texas. Um, looking forward to uh, sharing some, some info with
0: you guys. Thanks, Rodney. And last but not least, Andy.
5: Hi, Andy Gale, co-founder and president of Third Space Brewing in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, ran the uh, sales and marketing uh, department of the uh, brewery here for about six years before I was able to hand it off to some others. So hopefully still have some insights to share.
0: Awesome. And Andy, thank you again. When I was at your brewery in Milwaukee, I brought home a six pack of your barley wine. I got to tell you, that was absolutely fantastic. And I should have saved one for today's call, but they were that good.
5: <laughs> Glad you loved it.
0: Appreciate it so for everybody let's start with a pretty general question i'd love to hear everybody's feedback on why it's important for a brewery to have a strong merchandise program anyone jump right on in.
2: well i think just identity is uh like is the main thing right like uh, like merchandise is fantastic but merchandise is uh like anyone can put a logo on a like like on a shirt but um uh, it actually kind of gives your brewery a little bit more life to flesh out kind of other ideas, uh, and it's something that uh, people drink beer at your brewery. Sometimes they drink beer at home, but when people are wearing your products like all around town or in a grocery store, uh, like all of a sudden your brand takes on another life. It becomes part of like essentially someone's culture, right? The uh, and uh, and for us, it's become like a lifeline. But uh, I think uh, I think I think merch is a lot more than a logo on a shirt. Even though Absolutely. we have
5: plenty of Yeah, I think another big part of it is what it does for the customer themselves when they're wearing it. So it's not just that they're a billboard to, you know, to the world about your brand, but also when they put that on, they are they are saying, I am representing this amazing brand that I love. And so it actually ingrains them even more as you know an influencer and as a lifelong customer of your brand. And so like they're going out there and saying, hey, look, I'm in on the secret. I know about this this cool thing and you should know about it too. And it just, every time they wear it, I think it just breeds more love of your brand within that individual consumer.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, you've got the market's really brand flooded.
4: Mary, go
5: ahead. Marco. The
1: brand, the, the, you know, the market's really flooded with a lot of craft breweries and a lot of just brands in general. People have a lot of choices. So when you have a strong merchandise program and people are choosing you, um, that's, you know, like, quite a gift, you know, that, that people are saying like, I want, you know, for us that Geist t-shirt instead of one of the other 65 breweries in the greater Cincinnati area or one of the other great merchandise brands in the greater Cincinnati area. So it's, it's great that they choose us and we want to give them the best merchandise and the best beer possible. So we keep them coming back.
0: Maria, I think I visited Ryan Guys for the first time seven or eight years ago, probably about the time you were starting. And your merchandise stand has always impressed me, and I did leave with the t T-shirt.
1: Good to hear. You may have bought it from me personally, because that's where I started, was right I there behind be that counter.
0: Figure hear that out. That would have been too funny. Rodney?
4: I was just going to say, you know, everybody's hit the nail on the head. I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, you've got walking... Brand ambassadors walking uh, walking around with their t-shirts on or your brand identity so um you know it's uh, like i said and tom said and andy said the same thing and maria i mean the brand is at the end of the day everything for a brewery um and you know you, you got to support it uh, any way you can and uh, merchandise is, is one of the keys
3: yeah i mean being last here to answer i think having the pleasure to bend to so many breweries i've seen a lot of merchandising um and it is such a part of the story. I think nowadays breweries have, they're all making good beer, different types of beer, and they all have different identities. And I think really what makes them all unique beyond the beer is that you are, um, is the story that everybody tells. I mean, that's what the consumers are hearing. That's what, the, that's what they're buying into as well. So it's the merchandise kind of them accepting the story, living it and being a part of your brewery as well. And I think another thing that I've noticed being a part of the industry is just that it's almost like a lifestyle now. It's just being a part of the beverage industry and being a craft beer fan. I think that this is the opportunity um, for consumers to be a part of it and live it and share your stories through the brewery brand. Um, So it's important that the merchandise that you choose is aligned with, you know, the identity that you have and the culture that you're creating.
0: I think everybody here today agrees upon the importance of having that strong identity we're not going to dive into that in this conversation but lance i'd love to hear from you on this you know the merchandise landscapes changed a bit over the last few years what are some of the trends that you're currently observing
3: yeah i mean so people are all about going more premium with what they're buying you know it's the the quality of the beverage that people are serving they want to have the merchandise to kind of be parallel with that quality um and that's really important kind of trends that we're seeing is just kind of like subtle, especially with like apparel and other items, is having like your subtle branding on there. So things that people would wear if they just went to a store, but then a kind of also adding the brewery information on there I've and seeing things going away from just right in your face, bright and white on a black T-shirt, a brewery logo, um, just because people have seen that. And now I think people have so many choices to go out to um, a lot of people want to identify with something, and if it's your brewery, they want to have it be something fashionable that they want to roll with as well, or something that they're actually going to use. Um, beyond apparel, again, to go back to that lifestyle, it kind of depends on location and and who has an identity a brewery it Merchandise is such a part of that, but you know, if you're near a stadium, you might be doing stadium bags or flags. Um, if it's more of an outdoor theme, you might see some fire pits or like a solo stove. Uh, and they go back to premium, you're seeing a lot of the yetis, the hydro flasks and the mirror branded stuff. But right? people um, don't seem to be as interested in the lower cost items. Granted, you know, not everybody wants to walk into a brewery and walk out with a $20, $25 shirt necessarily. So sunglasses play a good part and stickers and so different price points do matter absolutely. But definitely the premiumization of the
0: me personally, sunglasses aren't one I always love, but I'm amazed at how many people appreciate just a simple little sunglasses with the logo on them.
3: Absolutely, especially if they're not super costly. I know Maria, you said you've got kids. I got three of them, so it's like if I can get a pair of sunglasses for you know an inexpensive price, I know those things are getting ripped off my face eventually, um, and probably broken.
2: Is anybody and a lot of pieces of merchandise can double as stuff for your sales and stuff like that, right? beer festivals giveaways stuff that doesn't necessarily doesn't sell in the tap room like those uh those small five dollar items you, or two dollars you can just double them as like giveaways for your sales team or something like that what yeah. are some
0: of the wins you're seeing tom with regard to those items
2: oh well i mean like like for those little bitty items like our sales team is always like so we have like a treasure trove of merch over here um but like like for those giveaway items like we have those in sale the room. we buy those in bulk to get to get those numbers down as low as we possibly can but when it comes to a beer festival or or xyz you know it's it's stickers and sunglasses and and whatever you can get under two three bucks that you can like you know shipped out to like like to the masses the uh and everything's usually color coded to match whatever sports team is uh is winning right now in our city, which typically is the Astros. So there's a lot of orange and blue uh, coming out on our merchant, <laughs> easy wins. <laughs> yep.
0: For everyone else, you know, what are some of the trends you're seeing in your room with regard to merchandise and just the items that are moving and ones that you see the most success with?
1: I can definitely tap into that, that sports merch uh, movement there, same thing. Cincinnati has had some some big moves in the sports world recently. Um, so things that we can do in colorways that mimic our sports teams really resonate with our Cincinnati customers. I mean, right in our logo, it's Cincy Made. Uh, we focus really um, heavily on being made in the city of Cincinnati. Um, our breweries employee owned, you know, we're very rooted in our people and this place. So uh, mimicking what the people of Cincinnati uh, are, are really ingrained in, it really helps. And it's a big win.
0: What little tips or tricks do you have for incorporating that like sports branding feel alongside someone's logo at a brewery?
1: Well, there's definitely a lot to be careful about um, when you're when you're getting into sports. Uh, make sure that you're doing it legally and, and you're checking in and making sure you're not doing anything you shouldn't be. Um, but colorways are a really easy way to just take your logo, use the colors that mimic those teams, and people visually make that association really quickly. So it's it's really easy just to play with color. Um, it's an easy and safe way to get people just attracted to the merchandise really quickly. Um, and then being intentional about, you know, like here in, in Cincinnati, um, the tailgate scene is a little bit more, um, bar focused. Our stadium is on the riverfront where there are other bars. so you know those bars might have pint glasses and, and things like that um, that you know mimic those sports colors but also have the Geist branding whereas you know so I'm actually originally from Buffalo, New York. that is a tailgate in the you know outside the stadium kind of city. so that's you know a brewery there might focus a little bit more on you know things that people use for tailgating flags, tents, cornhole sets, things like that. Um, so making sure it's applicable to what people might actually use. It could be a clear stadium bag if the stadium near you is is clear bags only. So really tapping into to what's appropriate and what people actually want to purchase.
5: And if you're in Buffalo, I assume a, a branded table that you could jump on, right?
1: Absolutely. Cheap tables because you know you're going to smash them.
0: Andy, but what about you? What's working in Milwaukee?
5: Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of luck with the, as Lance mentioned, the premiumization side of things, um, which sort of surprised me. I always thought people are looking for like a a knick-knacky kind of deal when they come to a brewery and they don't necessarily want to spend higher higher price dollars. But, you know, oddly enough, things like um, giant, you know, beautiful LED, um, like old school neon type signs that we – we actually purchased mostly to, to uh get out into the trade we said hey let's sell them here in the tap room and they sold out like that at 175 a pop so we should have raised the price um so it's like things like that that are odd that people are excited about your brand and there's a really cool item they don't mind spending a little extra money on
0: it what's going to be your next really cool item
5: i don't know lance is going to come up with it for me i love it <laughs> um,
0: next week it sounds great <laughs> So Rodney, I mean, I'm sure you interact with a ton of breweries. I'd love to talk merchandise display for a minute. Like, what do you recommend to make a good merchandise display in the tap room? We have so many conversations about this in craft beer professionals. I think, you know, everybody has a slightly different approach, but what do you think is a good strategy to make it
2: approachable and look nice? Yeah, Rodney is an expert in this field because he redesigned our merchandise display in our well, taproom. Um,
0: get a data point ready for me
2: to share the increase in
0: sales for you while well, Rodney shared the strategy.
4: So really, you know, it comes down to me, it comes down to your, your merchandise has to be out for people to see it, first of all. And, and you've got to give it a, uh, some forethought into what it's going to look like, uh, where it is in the brewery, because, you know, at the end of the day, most of the time the taproom, I mean, the, the merchandise wall or area uh, should be, it, to me, it's uh, next to the beer lines or wherever people are serving beer. Um, so that typically they're, they're standing in line, they got a lot of time on their hands. Hopefully get them through the lines pretty quickly. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, after a few beers or looking at that merch and it's like, hey, man, I need that tea. I need that, you know, whatever. I need that piece of glassware. Um, but I don't I think there needs to be a big emphasis on location, location, location inside the brewery. Um, and again, I, I think the more merchandise you can display, um, whether it's, you know, full T-shirts designed, full T-shirts on display and not just fold it up. Because uh, you know, it could look, a, t- a folded t-shirt looks like a picture. Uh, when people see the t-shirt, you can you can you can visualize putting that on your body and wearing it. Um, same thing with hackers, uh Any of the big ticket items, get them out there so people can see them. Uh, you need to see pricing displayed. But uh, at the end of the day, again, it needs to be to me it needs to be close to the to the tap room uh, where where people where your patrons are are are, are, uh, are, are getting served beer. Because um, I've seen been a lot of breweries in front of the house, uh, you just walk by and you miss it. And uh, it's, it's in the, uh, you know, kind of, they, there's not a lot of thought and effort put into uh, to the location of where it is. Um, and the bigger, the better, you know, in my opinion. Uh, the more you display, the, uh, the, the more impact it's going to have as, as far as selling merch. And I think also, your, you know, your, uh, you, can, you can kind of train your beer tenders to uh to help sell the merchandise as well um big aspect and there's nothing wrong with displaying it at the at the tap room uh uh you know uh, we're again at the tap room uh uh, table where you're serving beer right in front of the tap so uh just get just get it out there man let people see it uh otherwise they're gonna buy they're not gonna buy it they walk out and uh, the damn it's an afterthought so you, you just missed an opportunity i think so
0: now, anyway. Tom, how did Rodney help you improve upon your merch display? Give me a little before and after here.
2: Uh, well, so Rodney and I have been friends for years. Uh, but the uh, so beforehand, it was we had a bunch of basically uh, the ends of pallets that we kind of put on the wall. And we had pinned some shirts and, and hats to them and stuff like that. But, um, but Rodney actually came in there. And uh, uh, what's the system we have, Rodney? It's like a grid. Just a grid system super simple you can find
4: it
2: anywhere yeah so it started with like one side of our tap room it's kind of expanded uh i mean um, and now basically it's we've got 16 10 tackers up there we have 18 shirts we have 32 hats it's it's uh it's really a monstrosity it, it all kind of came out of covid it's kind of how uh like during covid we kind of figured out that you know our beers are in the tanks for about two weeks but but we can make designs and put them on merchandise and engage people to come out to our beer drive-through much quicker than we can make beer. And so our merchandise, we kind of went all in on merch and merch is the thing that kind of uh, saved our ass as it were uh, through COVID. Uh, But anyways, but yeah, but the the grid system we have is fantastic. So the second you're you're in the beer line, you're literally stuck staring directly at the merch. And so you really can't escape it. And there are those, Mid ticket items like tin tackers where you're coming in, your your cost is low, but your margins are pretty are, are pretty high in terms of uh, for the for the consumer. And then um, what happens is like someone comes in and they buy like you know six tin tackers and you just made like you know a $250 sale. It's, I mean, it's uh it's pretty wild. It's not every day, but when it happens, you're you know, you you thank God for the boost in your account, especially during a heat wave. <laughs> Do you think the guests are tipping on the merch items as well? If it's part of the main bill, they they might. <laughs> you know, it, uh, it just depends. I mean, typically, I think, I, I guess, uh, most likely, like, is not. But but I'm sure it happens. Yeah, I've uh, seen
0: with to-go beer sales, when people order to-go beer, they're literally just going to still click the middle button, even though they're not going to consume it on site. Right, Sure.
5: Hey, Andrew, I know you're asking the questions here, but I wonder if I could jump in and ask Tom a question. Do it. Um, I'm curious, um, you know, how much is too much? And are you, I'm amazed when you said you have 32 hats on the wall. That's awesome. Like, where, how did you get to the level that, like, that seems really high to me, but is it all selling?
2: Uh, it all, well, so also I'm, I'm, I'm banking on the fact that I'll be here next year, right? And so <laughs> I also have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of places to store all this stuff. So we'll put like two or three hats out there on display. Like, like, so Rodney knows this, like, right, like i will go to Rodney. It's like, I need 12 hats of all these things. And then it's a good way to basically kind of test the waters like on something, because all of a sudden if, if 12 hats just burn up like that, and then I got six more over here, I was like, okay, Rodney, I need a, an actual real order of all these other like uh, hats. The, um, but, uh, yeah, we, um, I mean, it, it all sells. I always say eventually. <laughs> yeah, nice. and I'll I'll say to this the speed of the hats. Um, you know, a lot of those hats are just
4: logo hats, and so there's there's you know one hat style may have six different colorways, right? So sure. that's part of the thirty two. Um,
2: but like, and then sometimes I'll I'll do we'll do like a we'll do an order of like a hundred patches with like twenty with like ten different designs, and then it's just it's placing those on things and and playing to everyone's individual because we have different designs for different beers that they ha- they have their own audience and you're trying to i want to play that out because i don't i just don't need the beer brand to grow i need the individual like beer brands to grow so
0: no lance i'd love to hear some of your suggestions for good merch display yeah i mean
3: definitely high traffic areas i mean I've seen breweries. It's all about the space that you have. You know, I've been in some where they're massive and you can make a whole fruit store out of it, essentially. And then there's some spaces where it's you walk in and it's just in the corner. I mean, one thing I think that Rodney brought up is you always want to make it visible. So if you can have it in a spot where no matter where somebody's sitting, you can see it, that's the idea. You have a couple beers. Somebody catches a shirt they like or something. They keep on eyeballing it, keep on looking at it, have a couple more beers, and it's like, hey, maybe I'll take that one home. Something like that, I think that's kind of the idea. One thing that Third Space does great is they do, like to go back to that LED, like that thing pops. And I mean, no matter where you are in the tap room area, you can kind of see that that there, and then that's kind of right above and in the mix of all the product that they offer. So, you know, if you do offer an LED or if you can get something to kind of showcase what's in the merch area, I mean, that's going to keep people looking that way. I think one other thing, too, is just the beer-to-go sales. You know, if you have your your, um, merchandiser refrigerator, you can put it by there. People are kind of thinking, what should I take home with me anyway? Um, That definitely doesn't hurt to match those two together. And, I mean, absolutely, also, if you can have your servers and your team wearing the stuff that people can buy, they're looking at it more and more. and you've got models
0: just showcasing it,
3: um, that absolutely doesn't hurt either.
0: I know from a personal perspective, like when I go to a brewery and it's my first time there, say I'm visiting from out of town and Lance, you're wearing another brewery shirt. I'm probably gonna ask you how that brewery is and you're wearing this shirt. So you're gonna tell me, oh, it's delicious. That's why I bought the shirt. And I might go have my second beer there versus having another at your brewery and walking with some merch.
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that goes so far with carrying your identity beyond the tap room and the brewery and who the people are that are wearing it too. So, I mean, as you select what kind of apparel you're putting out there, people know their audience, you got to pick the one for the dads and the moms, as well as the younger drinkers, um, just to try and get that reach out there. One thing
5: I'll
1: add we do a a similar focus. We make sure all of our employees have a good access to our our merchandise. Um, You know, they have, you know, so many, you know, kind of like an allowance of of, of merchandise uh, every year. So that way they're constantly wearing our stuff. Um, and we focus heavily on education, not just for our beer products, but also for our merchandise products. Um, do these shirts run small or run big? Uh, what's the fabric blend? Because those are things that are important to customers. Um, so our staff's wearing it. We also do keep our to-go beer right at the merchandise counter. That's definitely strategic. When people come to get their to-go beer, they're getting that pint glass, that T-shirt. As well, um, on the way out. Um, in the past few years since COVID, we've also our e-commerce platform allows for in-store pickup. So by putting table tents with QR codes on the tables in our brewery, of people aren't really prepared to come up, since our setup is a it's a counter, people aren't shopping on racks. They're coming up to a person, and not everybody loves to have that interaction. They're a little bit more of a quieter, private person. They can scan that QR code, shop for what they want. Just hit pick up and walk up to the counter, grab their stuff and go, um, which is totally fine. We're still getting that sale, um, but people can choose to shop in a way that makes them comfortable. So they're enjoying their evening and they're staying longer to drink because they're shopping the way that they want to.
0: Maria, what do you like about having that interaction component, though, of the merchandise encounter?
1: So I, I prefer that interaction. Um, like I said, we focus heavily on education at Rheingeis, um, and that's about the beer, the brand, the merchandise. So pouring that time and effort into our employees so they know everything, not just about the liquid, but they know about the brewery and its history. Um, we're in a historic building, so people know about the building, they know about the merchandise, they know what's coming down the pipeline, um, things to keep people engaged. Um, and having that conversation with people really increase, I think it increases sales and we have shown, we have, you know, kind of data to support as we've gone along that our average basket sale and value increases, um, as we continue to educate. Um, so if we have a customer that's coming up, like one of our newest brands, Cincy light, um, is. You know, it's a, it's a beer that comes in 12 packs and we have been adding merchandise items to that collection, um, but people might ne- not necessarily catch everything. So if someone comes up and they're this huge Cincy Light fan, say, Hey, well, we actually have a couple of stickers, pine glasses and t-shirts. You know, what else are you looking for to bring to your next tailgate or to bring to your buddy's house? They're like, oh, well, I'll get four pine glasses to go with my 12 packs. We have something to drink it in. Or I want a t-shirt to go to the next football game. Um, So by being able to tell customers about what all is available to them based on their interest increases
0: those sales. Awesome, thanks, Maria. Andy, was there something you wanted to add?
5: Well, I was just gonna add, on the display aspect we've really had a lot of success with creating creating sort of a shop where you can actually go up and kind of touch and feel everything you know you can take the shirt off the rack and you can hold it up to see if it fits you can feel the material you can check out the pint glass and look at it in your hand and what it looks like um and so we found that's really been helpful for for guests especially they don't have to like come up and ask like about the shirt on the wall they can just straight up feel it and decide if they want it um so that's been really helpful although we've also recognized that when we built this shoppable area it's not as highly visible as rodney was saying earlier and so recently we've been talking about keeping the shoppable area but also adding a display above the bar so you can see the merch but then you can also go and shop it and touch and feel it
4: awesome thanks andy yeah. shoppable area that's a that's a bonus man that's super nice You've got the space for that
2: big time. Well, Rodney, if you remember, we do have a shoppable area, but no one was using it, so we just. Kind That's of, true. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: So we're on a we're on a giant like um we're between two old rice we'll stores, so we have a giant square footage at, like yard, and we have like yeah, so we have a we, we actually have a storage container that was supposed to be a merch shop, but just kind of turned into merch storage because basically on the weekends no one was really kind of going out there and then we are having someone man it and it was a whole thing so we just we just kept the merch near the beer, <laughs> where it wants to be i want to dive a little bit deeper into these you know more
0: limited items you all talked about like andy's like your led and you know maria you talked about like you know football themed items how are you generating demand for these limited like merchandise releases or collector's items like, it's not something i really thought about much but it seems like we're seeing some wins here on that
1: so here at Ryan Guys, we kind of have a unique opportunity. So our all of our screen printed merchandise is done in house. We have a screen print team, um, and so we've got people full time on staff where we um, we bring in the blank merchandise and they're screen printing there. All of our graphic design is also done in house, so we're able to pivot very quickly. Um, so you know, as designs come out, we find something that is extremely popular on a whim. Um, for example, when um, football got you know, really big in Cincinnati, and we were changing colorways at you know the speed of light uh, to keep up with that. Um, we were able to, you know, get designs out, get t-shirts printed, and get them in the store before other breweries were able to get that to a vendor, get it printed, get it shipped. So we have this ability to do limited time offers um, in in a really unique way, which has worked out really well for us. Um, And we're really grateful for that opportunity. And and to have those guys here um, screen printing is, when people find out about that, they get really excited about our merchandise, knowing that a member of the Guy staff is who made their t-shirt. which is pretty cool, um, and we leverage our social media in order to, to, to advertise that, um, especially like I'm most familiar with Instagram. So Instagram now has like those those hot dot, like clip, clickable links, so people see it on a person, they click on it, they buy it right there. There's not a lot of steps, it's not link in bio, it's not go to our shop, it's click it, buy it, ready to go. Um, so it's a great way for us to be able to get new merchandising, get it fast and get it out to the people.
0: How much merch are you selling online?
1: Um, our online sales are contribute to about a third of our overall, all sales. So, um, it's, it's pretty significant what we can do in e-comm.
0: That's fascinating. Is anyone else having luck with some limited items or how are you making them successful? Like Andy, when you brought in those LEDs, you didn't think it'd be a win. Then it turned out it was huge. You know, how are you able to encourage sales of them?
5: Yeah. I mean, for those, that was just kind of lucky. Um, we put it on the wall and people asked if they could buy it and it wasn't necessarily intended to be sold. Um, and luckily we had a few more in stock. So that that's, you know, sometimes you get lucky, but when it comes to, you know, limited merch, generally, we've mostly had success when it's around like an event of some sort, as opposed to just like, Hey, check out this cool limited glassware. Um, it's more like, like we do a big, um, like an 80s Opry ski party every year in January. I'm like the coldest day of the year in Wisconsin. Um, you Texas guys should come up and check it out. <laughs> um, but uh, so every year we do like a signature merch item that goes along with the event. So like one year it was like a, a neon 80s headband, you know, like ski headband. The next year it was like a cool trapper hat. Then we did a fanny pack and like, so every year people are coming back to that event and wanting the cool like signature item That you can only get a part of it um we've also done we did screen printing on site um i love that you do it every day maria but we did it on site for an event we do a big we host um wisconsin ipa fest so it's just wisconsin breweries all the best ipas in the state of wisconsin that we hosted our brewery and we actually bring in one of our our merch vendors i shouldn't say this in front of lance um because that one's not him but and they do screen printing on site of a special t-shirt like we have two designs we do for the event in two different colors and then you can kind of pick just like you'd go into like a screen printing shop on vacation right and then they can pick exactly what they want and watch it made at the event so those kind of things i think when you tie it to like an activity or an event it's easier to sell and get some hype going
0: well it's like a limited beer release everybody wants one if there's only one chance to get it it increases the hype Mm so rodney and lance you know what are you seeing with regard to these unique limited items is it something you believe all breweries should be carrying like that one unique item that's maybe a little bit higher price but stands out just because it's so different i
3: think to me it goes back to who the brewery really is and what they're all about like i've we've all been to breweries that like are super dog friendly for example or maybe they're near a golf course and that they really connect to to something that's more golf themed. I think it's more so based off of your area and who's coming to your brewery. It's something that you know that they're gonna use outside of the tap room and maybe beyond just when they're drinking um, and taking it beyond that. So something that's actually more of a utility item. Um, That's kind of what I'm noticing.
4: Yeah, I agree 100% with Lance said. Um, he's, He's pulling on with those comments. Nothing really to add to that. You make well, it, I
3: think
4: it depends upon location too. Is those higher premium items are, are certainly can be specific, uh, to location. It's what you can sell, and what you can't sell because something you know, we're not going to sell a uh, a fire ring down here in, in Texas, um, in, in the south. Uh, when you know, we're we baking right now at 110 degrees, it seems like. So, uh, with up the northeast, D- 98, thing, Rodney, it's 98, 96, uh, I think, today. We're going to break, but. Anyway, he's, he's on point with exactly what he
0: said. So you all are here because you're doing things right. But looking at the opposite side of the coin, you know, how can bad merchandise hurt your brand?
1: Um, I think, you know, if you don't think enough about quality, you're in a you're not going to be in a good place so when people are making that choice to buy your brewery's merchandise um, to be your brand ambassador and you disappoint it's it's really harmful you know our um our team also manages um our our customer service email so when people are emailing saying like the hem of my shirt came undone or even for for selling things e-com like it arrived and my glass was broken those things are really important to us when we get that feedback we change what we're doing. It might mean we change a vendor. It might mean that we change what we're investing in for shipping supplies. Every single email makes a really big impact on us because we don't want to disappoint and we don't want to lose liquid sales because our merchandise disappointed because that was a big purchase for that customer. You have you know, your $10 to $12 six pack and then they upgraded and decided to buy that $25 t-shirt. That was an investment for them and we need to respect that investment and invest in good quality merchandise.
0: Good tips there. Now, Rodney and Lance, you probably interact with breweries who are doing a great job with merch and breweries that may not be doing so great in merch. You know, what can we learn from those that are doing great and what are some of the mistakes you see that those aren't doing great and what are they making
3: uh i think you just got to kind of think of like the roi on certain items and just sometimes people get so caught up in being new and tricky and creative that you kind of lose sight of there's definitely proven winners that are not that are cost effective options you can just do your your standard glassware um mugs hats shirts um even if you go mid quality they're going to be just fine and i mean the impression rate on those are going to be significant, and that's kind of one of the major goals, um, to have more things than you need in a retail space. Also, I feel like more isn't always better. So I mean, if it's, I think sometimes people get too caught up in their merchandise, spending too much, money, and they get stuck with, but stuff that people don't want. And I think that's when you start to go cheap, because you got all these dollars stuck in, in items that people aren't really buying. Um, so I think don't look
5: past
3: easy movers.
5: Other thing I think to remember when it comes to quality is not just getting them to purchase it, but you want that t-shirt to be their favorite t-shirt that they wear all the time or their hat that they wear every day. And so it's going to get wear and tear, right? You want it to last. This isn't like the iPhone. We want to like you to to go out of style and they want to buy another one. We want them to be the billboard that they're walking around with every day, right? So quality is going to be key for that. And to be their favorite shirt they wear every day, it's got to be, it's got to feel good. It's got to be a shirt that they, they, they love
0: play devil's advocate on that one are there any situations where a brewery can consider putting out just a cheaper say $10 shirt versus the premium $25 shirt are there any wins you can have by doing something like that
4: I think at the end of the day it comes down to really the the you know there's we've got a a, a ton of uh different teas we have access to from tri-blends to you know 60 40 blends to 100 percent cotton and even within that range, um, there's still, you know, the, the tri-blend is always a premium, right? It's always gonna be the most expensive t-shirt that's out there. Um, but there's still some other brands that are available. Um, and, you know, just coming out of COVID, we've noticed it's still it's still kind of an issue. Uh, issues with uh, holes and blank goods um, coming from, you know, Bella, I hate to throw, I'm not throwing anybody on the bus here, but Bella, uh, Next Level, you know, Gildan, Haynes, all, all all the players out there. Um, so it really comes down to QC on your supplier or uh, Maria Printing in-house. I'm sure they pay a ton of uh, attention to the quality control uh, of that. But, you know, I think also it comes down to print. Not only print quality because everybody can print pretty well, but uh, ink selections because in the print world we have – you know, the old school plastic soil printing, which is the heavy print that sits on top of the tee, uh, you know, people have kind of, unless you're going for an old school kind of fill vibe, uh, that's really not the, you know, not the deal anymore. It's more so uh, water-based inks and, uh, or additives added to plastic soils kind of thin those inks out. So, uh, and I think people, people pay attention to that uh, these days. So uh, anything you can do to kind of ramp it up, but I think QC at the end of the day, uh, like, um, Maria said, and Lance said, I mean, it's, uh, as far as, you know, putting out a good product, you want people to be, um, you know, proud of what they're wearing and, uh, you know, you don't want to come back to you. So, uh, yeah, so that's one of the things I, I would particularly pay attention to is, uh, is that.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks Rodney. Lance, you got something to say? Uh, I can't, I mean, I agree. I contributed, I don't know. I kind of said my piece, I think. Awesome. Well, I want to dive deeper into another aspect. You know, we've talked a lot about how high quality items are definitely desirable these days. But what are some of the key factors in designing this merchandise that you see resonate with customers? I us focus a little bit more on the design side.
1: You definitely have to pay attention to what part um, of your brand your customers are buying into. So something we found at Ryangeist is people love our original logo um we have a fantastic design team and they have manipulated our logo in a thousand different ways and all of them have been super cool um cans have all looked different beer branding has all looked different Um, but when it comes down to it if we break everything we've sold down by brand uh, merchandise wise not including the beer at all that core logo for us is what sells. That's what people want. We're a tourist destination in Cincinnati, so that's what, what people wanna do. We do have a lot of success with what we call our customer segment that is like the super fan. People have been with us for 10 years. They have enough of that core Guys T-shirt. So in smaller quantities, we will sell um, T-shirts or pint glasses that are specific to a new brand, something exciting, something people are commenting about on social media that we know it's gonna drive some sales. Um, but we have to resource that in a much smaller way because we know our core logo sells. Now that might not be the same for other brands who have maybe three or four beers in their portfolio with really cool branding and everybody wants a piece of that. But for us, it's been, you know what, you, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, and that core logo is, is what pushes merchandise for us.
0: Do you have any like one off designs you've done over the years that have really done well in the market?
1: So um I think our coolest is probably Sabertooth Tiger. Um it's our Imperial IPA. Um it is changed in its lifespan. It's now part of an Imperial series and its branding has changed a little bit. Um but that original uh very cool logo that did not feature um what we call our skull drop our core logo was you know not it was out of the norm for us because it didn't have that skull drop facing forward um it was this very prehistoric you know skull skeleton looking thing and everybody really really loved it um it is now since since changed a little bit but it was like very very popular people loved that logo Um, it was on t-shirts glasses sweatshirts um, it was definitely outside of the norm for us to have a single beer and a single design really amp up some sales.
0: I hear your excitement on that one. Would you ever consider bringing it back for one more limited edition run?
1: Don't think it hasn't crossed my mind. <laughs> Maybe we might have to do some throwback saber tooth work. Um, but I have to give a lot of props to our design team for the updated logo that's on those cans now uh, because it is some really cool and exciting work.
0: Love it. Now, Tom, you focus a lot on the design side, what do you see selling best? And what do your customers want
2: the most? Um, I mean, I mean, it all really depends. Sometimes we play, uh, you know, you, yeah, uh, you, uh, you, you, uh, you work smarter, not harder. So we'll do like, uh, people love water burger. And so we'll, we'll do a, a whole no label rendition that's very uh, water esque to avoid any legal trouble. Uh, but other times, like we, we played, we played to our brand. Like, uh, we have this beer called Murky Myers. It's a, it's a hazy double, but the design on the can, it, it's a can that's dressed up like Murky Myers, like Michael Myers, And, and, and so we actually have like, Rodney made some pocket tees for us where sort of, Murky just kind of coming out last year and the, and the tees, like glue, the they glue in the dark. And then we had a full logo one. And then we also had. We made murky Myers yard signs that people could actually put like in their yard and we had like a photo contest and people bought the merch and then we're just posting them like in their actual houses. Like so all throughout Katie, like my neighbors had some. And like I'm just driving around seeing all this no label signage everywhere. And it's like, oh, that's a customer, that's a customer, that's a customer. Everyone's playing around and it was like no label beers everywhere. And I think that's where that's where merch and brand can it mixes that thing of where it can be fun but also can be incredibly effective in terms of i mean you're putting no label out there i mean it's working while you're sleeping
0: so tom one thing well two things actually why did it take 42 minutes for you to mention those awesome lawn signs and how did you come up with that idea
2: um, who did Give them credit. um so it was around uh like a, like last year it was just like I was real tired of politics and like like stuff like that and then it was just like there needs to be like a beer yard sign but not something but then uh but we had this design for murky myers and and he's in the design work he's just peeking behind bushes and I was like I bet we could make this happen and then went to Rodney and it's like how do, how do we make this happen so we were working with our designers like to get the cutout right and the whatever and then it turned into a we want to crush you. <laughs> So it was, um, it, it was, uh, Murky Myers was an incredibly great launch. And it was a lot of fun. And then it just to see my you know, to go around the neighborhood and see Michael Myers and Murky just run around like, uh, beer is good. anything you do inventive with, with beer merch is fantastic. Ronnie just, we just did shower beer holders. And those were a, a huge hit amongst, uh, our, our alcoholic base. So, Tom, you have some really fun ideas. I'm going to pick your brain for a second more.
0: Out of these really unique ideas that you've just shared, has there been one that didn't go as
2: planned and not resonate with the customers as much as you thought it would? Um, I only remember the good ideas. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will say that Rodney once convinced me to get, uh, what was it, sombreros? What were those things? Was, what was a straw? Oh, yeah, you yeah, Lifeguard hats. hats. Everybody had them. I'll Lance, you sold the crap out of them, didn't you? <laughs> I was like, "There's no way in hell these things are going to sell," and then, and, and I put those at a very high price because I wanted them to fail. And then, sure, like, sure enough, <laughs> like, like, like through the roof. So, so uh, no label, buying, the lawn
0: hats at the beach.
2: Yeah, and we can't and we can't make enough. People ask us about them all the time, and, and they're just ungodly, very obnoxious, you know, straw hats, and there's very little, no label on it. It's just like, you know, a little logo and giant hat. Those things work pretty well, and I I wasn't expecting them to, so. Awesome, thanks for sharing that. Andy, don't worry, you don't have to
0: give us your most ridiculous idea right now, but I'd love to hear, you know, what designs are resonating with your audience.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination for us of sort of the old school logo because um, people really want to rep the brand, like they want to say like I'm a Third Space fan and I want to tell tell you. So they want that that logo. Where is it? There it is. Um, but also we've done some like you know beer specific. So if you have got a hot beer that people are excited about, we've done a lot with our 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 flagship beer is a, a brand called Happy Place, and so there's a lot you can do with that, right? So we've you know, done, you know, a lot of cool stuff from hats to shirts, to stickers around the happy place brand. And that, that kind of flies off the shelf as well.
0: Awesome. Thanks for sharing. So for all of you, you know, what's the greatest challenge you've experienced or currently facing with regard to your merchandise program?
2: Margins. Have... Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> I was going to say margins. <laughs> like, you know, you want to, you want to, pr- I'm, I'm all about pricing something where like, cause people are like, Hey, your customer will say, we want hoodies, we want more hoodies, or we, we want more X, Y, Z. But in order for it to make sense, right, you need to actually make a profit because we are a, we are a business uh, after all. And it's like, well, someone will be like, hey, we want a custom no label baseball jersey. And it's like, we can get you that, it's just gonna cost you like $125. And it's like, whoa, 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 but they cost like, I've seen that they cost like 50 bucks or something like that. It's like, yeah, they'll cost us 50 bucks but you know to get those margins right and if you don't have your margins right then i mean your your merch program is not going to work i mean that's just that's that's what we found so we kind of have to respect those margins kind of at all cost also occasionally uh merchandise will sometimes uh slip away you'll be like hey i had x amount of shirts and that's so you know you're like where did these shirts go? And I'm looking at my tap room and they're like, "Oh no, no, everything's fine. Anyways, margins.
1: I think managing consumer expectations in the post-COVID world has has been a challenge. Um, The way stores run, the way tap rooms run, everything changed after COVID. Um, We had to completely flip You know, how we ran our store, how it ran within our tap room, how we trained the staff, how we get merchandise to people. Um, We tested out local delivery for a while. Um, here in Cincinnati because people couldn't come to us. So we're like, hey, if you're in this radius, we're gonna come to you. Um, and then keeping local delivery, um, but you know, we're an urban brewery. We don't have this giant parking lot or a, a way people can drive up and get their bags. So trying to figure out, okay, we're helping people pick up locally, but how do we get it down to them? Is it convenient for them? Can they park? And um, so many business mates, businesses made so much so many adaptations to meet the expectation of consumers but not everybody can do the same thing but if one brewery is doing one thing and you're not doing it well they might go there instead of coming to you and it's it's you got to go out there and figure out what everyone's doing and figure out your best version and that is a huge challenge to figure out what you can afford to do but what can you afford to lose if you don't do it
4: yeah. and I'd like to add too. I think I, I see a lot of breweries holding on to too much merchandise too long, especially T-shirts. So my philosophy is, if it's you know you get that initial rush of on, of sales, uh, and then after that initial rush, you know give it you know give it a couple months, but you know move it, discount it, and move it move it out so you can uh, afford to print more new
0: merch because um, it's not doing you any good if it's just sitting there on the shelf. We see a lot of, you know, beer collaborations in our space. Are any of you doing unique, you know, merch collaborations? Maria, you mentioned like the sports teams up their way. Are there official collaborations you're doing?
1: We're not officially collaborating with any sports teams, but we have collaborated quite a bit, and I'm really proud of of that part of my job. Um, Most recently, uh, Rookwood Pottery is a really, really renowned uh, pottery uh, manufacturer that's based here in Cincinnati. They created our 10th anniversary stein for us. Uh, It was a really incredible piece. It took 18 months from idea to actually producing the piece. It was a long invested amount of time. Um, it resonated really well with Cincinnati customers and pottery collectors from across the United States, um, and we were able to create a you know a piece that was collaborated on by both, uh, and that was a really amazing piece of pottery, and we're really proud of it. Um, so that's been our biggest and most recent um, collaborations. But we've also done um, we did a series of collaborations post COVID with small businesses. Um, we had. Um, small businesses that had, you know, maybe something in common with a beer we were releasing or some sort of event going on and we would actually have them come pop up in the tap room. We create a piece of merchandise together and then we both represent our businesses and brands on the same day. Um, So we've done smaller uh, scale things and some larger scale ones. And those things, like even though they take a lot more time and investment, whether that's financial or just resource time, um they they sell out and they bring a lot of customers into the tap room, which also increases beer sales and it keeps people there. So it has a lot of payoff.
0: And like any good partnership, you're getting your logo on their audience who you might not, not always reach as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. And we're able to, you know, like I said, post-COVID bring in those small businesses. Um our focus there was allowing them to to resource our audience because when you take a very small business that maybe has a thousand followers on social media and then you have our business that has over a hundred thousand and we're you know posting about them that allows a lot of our audience to to see them as well and we were really proud of what we we're able to do for the small business community in cincinnati
0: anyone else Do unique collaborations either maybe for an event with a local partner anything else you're proud of
5: we we did a collaboration um we do a like a coffee barrel aged uh, beer every year with a local coffee roaster so we use their coffee and the beer um, and we've done it every year. And so that was kind of fun. We did a, a merch uh, collab one year where we did uh, basically kind of like a, like a tin coffee mug, but obviously it could be used for beer as well, especially if you're camping or something. So we co-branded that with their name and our name on it. And then, you know, we sold it at the release and then they also sold it in their coffee shops and we also co-branded a t-shirt with them. So that was pretty cool.
0: Oh, that it is awesome. Now, we talked a lot about strategies you're doing to sell more merchandise, but, you know, not looking at things we've already said, what are some of your best practices for promoting your merchandise? Let's just say in your tap room. Any tips to maybe motivate your staff to sell more? Just talked a lot about location, but other little things that you've found that can help increase taproom sales for the merchandise side of things.
1: I think going back to what we were saying about putting the staff in the merchandise, really is uh, it's huge Um, if the person serving you your beer or coming to your table is wearing it you might be more apt to ask questions like does that shirt wash well or you know did you have to size up and those questions are important to customers so putting the employees in the merch and making sure that they love it so they're like yeah you have to go and get this t-shirt like it's you know oh it's it's limited just for the summer so go get it now don't wait on it you know um, is is really really
2: helpful
3: I've seen a few breweries do different things too, where like even just the price tag is a sticker as well, so they get a little something extra there to uh, intrigue them. But I think something that's real common is if you buy you know something today, you'll get a discount off a beverage or a free beverage just to entice them. Um, I mean, mug clubs kind of fall under that as well, where if they join the club, then they get discounts on the different merchandise options. And then you definitely have like
0: a super fan in your corner, then without public you know pushing it. No, i like how this conversation is kind of talked about the general consumer who's gonna buy merchandise but also those super fans so i think it's really important to understand what they're looking for and how you can best serve them
5: yeah and then the other piece is you know featuring your merch in your social media not as a promotion but just like you're maybe you're promoting a beer but making sure the person that's you know introducing it is wearing the cool new merch item so you're selling it without selling it
0: no i love all that So, you know, so many breweries are looking to up their merchandise game. So as we get to the final thought, I'd love to hear from each of you what that one piece of advice, what that one action item would be for breweries to enhance their merchandise game, and Maria, because you started us first, you get to close this out first as well. I could have gone backward, but we'll stick with you.
1: No worries. Um, Well, like I said, I manage our commercial business unit. So I am looking at those numbers every single day. Um, And what I've really learned over time is you really have to manage um, your expectations and, and what you can expect out of your program is your merchandise program, mostly a marketing arm, you're not looking to make a ton of money, but you really just want to get the brand out there, then build your program based off what you can afford and what you want to do. What is your end result? What do you want? What is your why? Um, or is, are you looking at your merchandise program as a huge source of revenue? Um, if you want your margins to be a certain amount, figure out the level of, like the highest level of quality you can afford and make the margins that you want to make, and then check in on those expectations regularly and make sure that you don't need to pivot or change strategies in order to, if your why or your reason is to make money, then make sure that that you're doing that and don't lose sight of your end goal.
2: Oh, I love all that. Tom. Um, to be able to pivot and kind of, uh, work on a dime, like, uh, we we're talking before how, like, sometimes like good events, right. Like merch around good, like, 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 uh, spur of the moment events can actually, you know, spur sales, uh, when, so we, we recently did a, a Maui brewing kind of uh, no label, uh, charity event. We didn't really make money, uh, like off of this merch, but. Uh, it was good for basically spreading our audience, really engaging with people. Even though people came out to buy charity merch, they ended up staying and drinking a lot of beer, which uh, coming out of a three-month, hundred-degree summer uh, gave us like the best two weeks uh, like like in the past quarter. So, uh, being able to to move quick like on something when like like when like when you see an opportunity and uh, you know uh being in the craft beer like we're very much involved in a community and we have a we have a huge fan base that like that listens to us and will come out we just gotta give them give them an opportunity to so thanks
0: Tom and Rodney your turn what do you see from your perspective that you'd recommend to others
4: you know mine is pretty simple because I um I think I see a lot uh I think I see too many breweries especially the smaller to medium-sized breweries they lump uh, merch cells into total b- beer cells. And that's great, but you have no way to track uh, those numbers. So if at all possible, like, well, it's a, it's a necessity, in my opinion, keep those merch cells separate from your beer cells. Um,
2: agree.
4: Yeah, so uh, that's my biggest uh, uh, word of wisdom uh, w- words of wisdom that uh, I can I can give you.
0: Thanks, Rodney.
5: Andy, I'd say don't be afraid to take some risks. You know, it's um, a lot of us in craft beer have done well because we come up with creative ideas for events or unique styles of beer and things like that. So we should apply that to our merchandise too. So if you got a fun, crazy idea, give it a shot. If it doesn't sell, do what Rodney said, you know, discount it down and move it out and try something new.
0: Andy, I'm going to put you on the spot because you said crazy ideas. You know, what's that one you really want to try?
5: Hmm. I've always wanted to do like a like a furry full bodysuit, you know, like uh, like adult pajamas.
2: They're still tough.
0: <laughs> I'll be watching your are socials you for you. you that
1: crazy idea we always get from customers. Like if we get customer feedback, when are you going to do Ryan Guy's pajamas, <laughs> like pajama
5: suits? Nice. Let's do it. Let's do a collab. Let's do it. I think about
0: like 15 years ago, I bought a Weezer Snuggie from the internet. It was like a made-for-TV-like commercial that you can probably find on YouTube. But I bought it. I don't know where it is, but I bought it. Okay, Lance, take us um, home. I was going to piggyback off of it, kind of what
3: everybody just said. So, like, first, don't be afraid to take risks. Um, you know, Randy can probably – I'm sorry, Rodney can definitely agree. But, like, we can give free samples being on the supplier side of stuff. And it never hurts just to – To order a pre-production sample, get it behind the bar, see what how it generates interest. That way, it's real low investment commitment, and just see how it generates revenue. Um, But the other one is really collaboration, kind of going back to that. So you know, collaborating with each other on cool ideas. I mean, after COVID, Belter got pretty creative with collaborating, kind of. You know, without breweries even knowing, but well, we have many, many programs to keep costs down. We're pretty much breweries all over the country go in and order the same type of product, and we're able to kind of blend all those costs together, keep costs down for everybody, and then everybody kind of wins. Um, but if you guys do that, and then also like collaborating with fundraising is always a huge hit. You know, um, it, we do tons of collaborating for fundraising. There's been a lot of like the the Hawaiian. Fires lately, breweries are trying to reach out and help like uh, No Label did, um, whether it's like a brave noise or trying to do something like social justice piece, uh, that's always a huge piece, but also collaborate with your consumers as well, listen to what they're asking for, what they're saying, I mean, pajamas would be awesome.
0: So I, I guess to sum it up for everybody who just wants those quick action items, pajamas, yard signs, and LED signs, is that what we're <laughs> in with today, everybody? Yeah. Uh, Well, and Stein's, of course. Maria, you had that awesome Ryan Gay Stein. But Maria, Tom, Rodney, Andy, and Lance, this has been an awesome conversation. You offered so much insight into the world of merchandise. So thank you so much for being here. Hope everybody found this valuable, and we'll see you all soon. Have a great day, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening and being an important part of our community. Please hit the subscribe button to stay on top of more sessions that can help you grow as a craft beer professional. And join us for more conversations in our community on Facebook. We appreciate you. Cheers.